Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. For multiple bonus shows per week and access to our full podcast archive featuring in-depth interviews, movie commentaries, and live shows, please check out the Steel Wars Patreon podcast feed. The content club level is just $3 a month and is chock full of Star Wars fun and really helps the ongoing production of the show. All the bonus shows download into your podcast app like any other show. Give a month a try at patreon.com forward slash steelwars. Link is in this episode's show notes. And if you do, hit us up for a question for the weekly Patreon Q&A. And now, on with the show. I really hope you enjoy it. This episode of Steel Wars is also available in full video at youtube.com forward slash steelwars. The link is in the show notes. Treat those eyes. Treat them. Hey, you guys, and welcome to Steel Wars. I am comedian Steel Saunders, and I do love Star Wars. And normally, each week, we talk to someone of interest about it. But this week on the podcast, I'm going to get to something I've been dying to do for a couple of years now. And that is... Through so many uh, podcast episodes, I've referenced this um, Return of the Jedi uh, Jedi compendium with eight color posters and a monster Return of the Jedi quiz that I, um, it was one of the first pieces of Star Wars merchandise I ever remembered. And I hadn't seen one. I had the posters up on my wall and stuff, and I hadn't seen one for like decades. And... Um, our friends Mike G and Eric Struthers both separately sent me the poster book and I refused to look through it until I had time to record a podcast episode about me going through it again. So here we are. I finally have an hour spare to um, go down a trip down memory lane. If you're listening to the audio podcast of this episode, we are also doing a video version so you can see the photos and stuff that I'm talking about in the uh, the Jedi Compendium, um, which was such a huge part of my um, initial Star Wars uh, fandom. The cover for those just listening to the audio is um, a Gamorrean guard and he's, uh, it's a photograph taken outside on Tatooine and his head's cropped and it is a, like a, just a red background. So it is a, um, a bizarrely close-up photo of the Gamorrean because you can really see the saliva um, glistening off his little lips there. He's quite a disgusting, um, quite a disgusting beast. I remember being pretty stoked on the, like, when the Gamorrean Guards, because sort of when Return of the Jedi figures came out, that was when I was sort of, I've got memories of figures coming out. And I remember seeing the Gamorrean Guard and just like thinking, 
What will they come up next? It's 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 a green pig man beast. George Lucas, you've done it again. You, you're going to need a, a a decade or so off. So I haven't looked through this at all. And um, thanks to Mike and Eric for sending this to me. I'm very excited. But there's also a quiz. There's a fact file and a quiz that definitely shaped my early um, Star Wars fan knowledge. And I, I do remember a few like very key pieces of Star Wars, like, you know, the basic things that people learn when they're getting into the the behind the scenes of Star Wars that I got from this book when I was a tiny little boy. And it retailed for $2.95. I'm not sure what region. This might be the British one. But it actually uh, folds down to a little magazine size, A4. And then to get to the actual, so you can actually read it, it folds out into a tabloid. But my um, early memories of this is that because it had the posters and then it had the facts and then it had the trivia and the posters, very smartly done by the publisher, uh, are, are separate printed things. So the, the quiz and the facts aren't on the back of the posters. So I didn't have to choose between facts and having a sweet bedroom. But uh, the posters, were, you could pull them out and they were double-sided. So you, had, you did have to decide which side you were going for. And I, I'm going to have to try to remember which side I did go for and uh, what side I'd go for now. See if they're the same. I bet you they're the same. But um, I do remember just thinking this, you know, it's got the quiz, it's got the facts, it's got the posters. This magazine has it all. This is the best thing ever. So it's, it, it's no wonder I took to the internet the way uh, I did. But okay, so the first posters, you've got, um, oh, from the cover, the Gamorrean Guard poster. Um, and he's on the skiff with the uh, red sails in the background, which I never got when I first saw this poster book that that was, I thought he was like just in a market. Um, I didn't realize the sail barge was a flying thing. And that's like when I went to Galaxy's Edge, like walking through the marketplace bit reminded me of what I imagined where the Gamorrean Guard was standing in this picture. That's what I love about um, movie years and like all, all the photos that come out from publicity shots that, that don't have the context of them, just that you have those months just to like um, imagine what, what's going what's gonna to happen. And uh, I did think the Gamorrean Guard was going to play a larger role in uh, Return of the Jedi due to the fact he was on this poster because on the other side... was this tender shot of Harrison Ford as Han Solo. Look how caring and he just looks like he's got so much empathy in this picture. He's uh, on... Oh, this is on Home One. This is when they're having the, um, the meeting before the Return of the Jedi end battle. When um, Mon Mothma led an army but isn't a military leader <clears throat> but um i definitely had the harrison ford the han solo one that 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 very um loving look from that poster was um that definitely was looking over me as i uh, went to sleep each night 
Little did I know, you guys, that our, our paths would cross. Now, the other posters will whip through. All right, we've got Darth Vader. And uh, is that Moth Jared? The um, we shall double our efforts guy. And they're waiting for the Emperor. You just get a hint of Emperor's Royal Guard in there. And uh, on the other side is the Adat docking at Endor. And I've heard, the folklore I've heard is they just put this scene in because they had so many Adats Kenner had made. Or the mould costs so much to make or something that... Or maybe they just wanted to sell more. But there was something about... The folklore I heard was the Adat was put into Return of the Jedi to um, promote sales of the Kenner. Um, the Kenner Adat, which... Man, like, I know these days people like will say, oh, you know, like, Porgs or whatever, is this done for toys? And I think they're really fun toys. But And this was, apparently, from what I know, actually done for toys, this shot... But, like, sometimes people say, oh, it's just for toys, and they say it's, like, really dastardly or underhanded. But Return of the Jedi was doing kids a favor. Like, of course, like, every kid wanted an Adat. So the more you could push Adats into the marketplace, flood the marketplace with Adats, and get them to as many children as possible, good work, good work, evil corporation <laughs> you're helping us all out and um because there were so many out there that means that um when we're older and uh we have uh, the means where uh, our families didn't to get an adat we can so i definitely would have gone the darth vader side even though i am a big adat fan but like it's just it's not even in a battle adat it's parked it's just parked it would have been so sick to, um, you know, very hard with the trees and the effects, I guess. And also very hard. Oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, wow. I just had a breakthrough. So I was thinking that it'd be rad to have the Adats in the battle, in the Battle of Endor, because Adats are sick. And then I thought, well, if they did, then it would be very hard for the Ewoks to combat that in a realistic manner. And and the way the Ewoks attack all the stuff, it's not very realistic, but it's Star Wars. But it would be stretching the um, the belief system of even a hardened Ewok fan, such as myself, if um, the Ewoks took down an AT-AT that, um, you know, you needed the, um, the force-wielding lightsaber blazing uh, Luke Skywalker to do that. Although... You could just do it in a video game like that. Bang! Down! Um, anyway, the... Um, but yeah, so I was thinking that's why they didn't have them in there. But then they could also show them on the planet, get the toy sales, but then not have them in the battle because they could say the trees would be too be too hard for them to get around. It's not the ideal terrain. That's why we've got the, uh, the scout uh, walkers out there. So um, that's good world building. I'm not sure if that was what they did or or what, but um, 
Like, I'm not sure if that was your, their thought process, but it's a fun way to um, come to terms with this stuff. Star Wars, um, you know, just Star Wars coming to terms with. It's not that, it's not that bad. All right, so we've got... Um, the next poster is the, um, it's sort of like a concept, I don't know, kind of like a poster that they, like it's using models, but it didn't appear in the film, but it's of the B-Wings, three of them flying away from exploding Star Destroyer with the Death Star 2 in the background, no other ships in the shot. That's on one side. On the other side is Jabba the Hutt, Leia, Salacious Crumb, C-3PO, and uh, Bib Fortuna, that Bib Fortuna, I hate him. Trying to cock block a Jedi from Jabba the Hutt. That's disgraceful. I definitely had that one on this side because love the Jabba scenes. And um, that was definitely on that side. And before anyone gets any bad ideas, I was very young. So let's not make any accusations about what was going on with um, that poster. On the final one, we had um, Low Grey and Chirper, which is uh, pretty good. I like... Um, it always confused me that it's Medicine Man Low Grey and Chief Chirper, but Low Grey seems to do all the talking. Do you know what I mean? Like Chirper, they're not even using him as a puppet. But we know only the Wocklings were puppets. A fact we find out later on in this book, mind you. But, um, so you've got Chief Chirper and Wicket and Chirper's teeth, man. I just, he's, he looks so tense. He's got like anxiety problems or something. But um, he just looks wild. Low Greg does look wiser. Um, a lot more safer to hug. Chirper looks like he's just going to bite you. Maybe that's why he's the chief. Because <laughs> he's got the bitey face. Oh, and on the other side. Oh, my God. The obvious side that we'll have this on is uh, Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia about to swing off the sail barge. What a hero moment. Ring theory with Star Wars A New Hope. And it all comes around. It all comes around. Hey, um, speaking of ring theory, actually, I spoke to someone who spoke to someone who spoke to George Lucas. No, I spoke to someone who spoke to someone who spoke to George Lucas. Two people away. Anyway, and um, about ring theory and George's comments were, the basis of it is true, but they're looking too deep in other places. So um, that is what many of us suspected. Um, do love the Star Wars ring theory, though. All right, so let's do this Jedi Master quiz, you guys. This is going to be great fun. See if we've still got it. And, and before we get to the quiz, um, if you like my Wear Home t-shirt that I'm wearing or you want to check out the, uh, the Steel Wars range of t-shirts, you can check all that out at steelwars.com or merchostore.com. There's your Snoke Theory sucked. I'm Ray's parents. All that good stuff. Ignite the green. But let's get down to this um, this monster Return of the Jedi quiz. So um, if you guys want to mark down what you answer, you can just like try to memorize it. Play fair. Play fair. We don't want any um, 
you know, we don't want any accusations. And, and I'm calling out your, your Star Wars Explained, your Molly Damons, your Hello Greedos, your Joe Scrimshaws, you know, like step up to the Jedi Master Quiz, eh? That's where the real action is. These are canon questions from the OT. Okay. So, um, as uh, oh, this is the introduction, attention, fellow members of the Rebel Alliance. And I have to say, reading this as a little kid and the magazine knowing that I was a member of the Rebel Alliance, thrilling. Very much enjoyed that. That, that was my, um, that was Galaxy's Edge in 1983, a, a magazine saying you're in the Rebel Alliance. I was like, yes. Uh, just how would you rate yourself as a committed Star Wars fan? Would you know an A-Wing from an At-At Walker or an AT-AT Walker? Could you sort the Sarlacc from Salacious Crumb? Is Dagobah an Ewok, a planet, or an Imperial weapon? I, like, I always love the idea of Dagobah the Ewok. That's a cute name for an Ewok, Dagobah. Actually, we're going to name um, our cat Jerry... A very um, finalist name was Dagobah. Um, Here, Dagobah. But he's such a Jerry. Uh, Here's your opportunity to find out just how much you know about the creatures, the vehicles, the heroes, villains, droids, and even the plot in Return of the Jedi. It's an interesting thing about this magazine. It does sort of spill the beans on um, some big things. Like, I wonder, this is interesting for me. I wonder how J.J. Abrams would have taken to promoting Return of the Jedi. Would he have kept Han Solo decarbonizing a secret? Would have Harrison Ford's involvement been, you know, on the hush? Um, yeah, I like that question. I like... Um, would he have kept it? Oh man, I'd love to know the like just if he would have fun with that question and uh, have a think about it and how he thinks he would promote it and his reasonings behind it. That would be delicious to find out. Maybe next time, JJ. Maybe next time. Um, it's more fun to attempt this quiz with a friend to see who rates the highest score. So you can true fan them. That's great. The answers are on page 27, together with the ratings for your score. Oh, yeah. So you get told if you're a Jedi Master or whatever. But no cheating before you have completed every question. Remember, a Jedi Knight never cheats. Best of luck. So there you go. That's what it's saying. If you do cheat, it doesn't matter what score you get because you've broken the covenant of the Jedi Knights. No cheating. So, um, play fair, best of luck, let's go. I've got a photo of um, Darth Vader and an Imperial walking away from the shuttle Tidarium. God, I hope that is not one of the trivia questions. Bunch of stormtroopers. And the question is, number one, who meets Darth Vader as he disembarks from his Imperial shuttle to check on the progress of the construction on the half-finished Death Star? Now, I sort of have to say the answers here. I just realized I, um, I will have to give my version. So whatever your one is. So you can disagree with me or agree with me. So I will be giving you hints that are 
my answers, which I hope we wrote. And I think that's um, number one would be Moff Jared. Question two, we've got Luke Skywalker here in front of Jabba the Hutt. What was Luke Skywalker's gift to Jabba the Hutt in his attempt to persuade the intergalactic gangster to release Han Solo? Now, the picture for this question on question two is Luke in person speaking to Jabba the Hutt. And it's sort of over at Leia's shoulder, a couple of Gamorreans in the background, Squidhead, he's up there kicking it. But that question about the gift is actually from the hologram when um, he presents the gift. So I'm giving away these. You, you, you'd know the answer to this one anyway. But I remember when I was a little kid getting tricked by it because I was trying to think of that scene when Luke was there and he'd already given the gift in that scene. But um, number two, we're going to go with droids. Number three, can you identify Bib Fortuna, Jabba's lieutenant and Major Domo from these photographs? And we have got a photo of um, Bib Fortuna is number one. So we'll go with that. I think everyone would have got that one. Um, that guy. That's a harder trivia question. What is his name? He just looks like an old sausage with a cloak. Like his head looks like a sausage that's sort of been ripped off and then left out all day. Herm Odie or something like that? I can't even check the back of the the book because that's not the question. And uh, the third photo was a Gamorrean guard. Uh, question four. EV-99 is a human-like robot in charge of Jabba's cyborg operations in the dungeon of Jabba's palace. What duties does he assign to C-3PO? I always found it interesting. EV-99 is the guy that talks. Um, You're a feisty one. And uh, his figure came out with, um, in the Power of the Force figures, the last 17. He is a highly sought-after action figure. And at the back of his head, he's got a little mechanism that makes his little gob go up and down, which is terrific. But um, in the initial release of figures, 8D8, the, um, the guy that's just melting uh, Gonk Droid's feet, he got the figure, which is weird because EV-99 had... You know, a talking role. So obviously, they just got the photos or something. They didn't get the heads up which one was going to be talking. Because I always thought it was like I had to pretend that 88 was EV99, which was frustrating. I also had to pretend this is the worst one. I had to pretend I hate Bib Fortuna because I don't like the way he like cock blocks Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight, and friend of Captain Solo uh, from seeing Jabba the Hutt. Really annoys me. But um, when I was playing Return of the Jedi, Bib Fortuna had to be Jabba the Heart because I didn't have a Jabba the Heart. So Bib was... I'd, I'd sit him down and you had to sort of take off his cape to do it. But um, yeah, I'd position him like Jabba in the throne room that I'd made. But um, a lot leaner. Who would you rather look like? Jabba the Heart or Bib Fortuna? Who would you rather be? I'd probably go with Bib Fortuna because I could come up with some, you know, I just, 
had to infiltrate Lucasfilm and, and, and write a little short story, a canon short story about how Bib Fortuna got away. Hence my character being free. Um, anyway. Um, so question four was a protocol. Uh, five, where is R2-D2 sent by EV-99 and what is he to do? Well, of course, he was sent to the sail barge. And uh, he was going to be drinks. Was that part of the plan? You know, uh, there's a video up on um, the YouTube on, on the Steel Wars channel with me and Nathan Hamill talking about, you know, what was Luke Skywalker's plan and uh, how much of it was planned or it was just happenstance. But, like, did... Did Jabba go out to the Sarlacc pit like three times a week? Do you know what I mean? Like there was always dudes getting thrown in the Sarlacc. Or was this like, this is it. He's always threatened it. And this time after 10 years, he's going to throw someone in the Sarlacc pit. He never had to before. Um, Because if he goes out there all the time, that maybe would fit in with Luke Skywalker's plan. But like did, did, I guess what, I think has to be the case with Luke Skywalker's plan to save Han Solo is the conceit has to be that he knew if he pushed Jabba hard enough, he would get him out in the open to the Sarlacc pit. That has to be the, the whole crux of the plan. Otherwise, I don't know the will of the force. You guys have they ever gone into that? If anyone's got any information, there's comments below. Um, use them in a positive manner. Oh, and I'm actually, people that like watch these things and stuff on YouTube, you can comment and I'll approve your comment. If you can disagree with me, just be chill about it. Don't be angry that we have a different uh, opinion about Star Wars. Uh, question number eight is, uh, oh, actually, question number six. What was the name of the bounty hunter who offers to sell Chewbacca to Jabba? Oh, come on. That's Bush. And I really don't like that. Galaxy Adventure about that. That's not Galaxy Adventure. It was um, what was the other one called? Was it Galaxy Adventure? No, that's one that's out now. No, it was Galaxy Adventure. Whatever. I don't like the Bush one. I think it's too um, too happenstance. Uh, seven. How much does Jabba finally agree to pay for Chewie? This is a tough question. I know, like the hardcore, it's not, but. You know, when you're a little kid, this is a tough question. How much did um, Bush uh, finally agree with, with Jabba? Have you locked in your number? All right. I'm going to go... $35,000. Question number eight. These creatures are Jabba's personal guards. What is their proper name? And that is, of course, the Green Pig Guard, Gamorian. Question number nine, picture of Jabba, I mean, picture of Han in Carbonite. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, keep in mind that I just said um, there's a picture of Han in Carbonite. The question is, in what material is Han Solo imprisoned and exhibited in Jabba's throne room? Uh, yeah. That was all, like, 
knowing Carbonite when you're a little kid, that was cool, man. Don't, don't front on this quiz, all right? 10. After his release, the princess tells Han he is suffering from temporary hibernation sickness. What are the effects of this sickness on Han? And whenever you played Star Wars when you're a little kid and someone got carbonated, because carbon, after that, that just opened the floodgates. It was, it was like, um, it was like the, when the comics found out about, you know, so much carbonation um, in, the, in the schoolyard, in the playground, out the back, in the backyard. Carb, people were getting like frozen in carbonite on a weekly basis in my backyard. So, um, and then, of course, after they got defrosted, they would always be blind. They'd have to suffer some amount of, um, of blindness to fit in with the canon of Star Wars. And they'd be like, oh, I can't see. And, oh, it was great. Great times in the backyard. Number 11, uh, what makes Han realize that he and Leia have been caught in their attempt to escape Jabba's palace? I also have to say, in this quiz's defense... We didn't have any other way to watch. Like we couldn't even watch the, the, the trailer again on YouTube. So we, this is all coming off the top of our heads, guys. We've only seen the film once or twice. Um, we're little kids. We can only afford so many times. So let's just go easy. And uh, Jabba's laugh is the answer to that. I actually remember answering these questions. Um, 12. Han Solo makes an offer to Jabba before he is dragged off to the dungeon. What did he offer Jabba. That's a decent question. What was Han Solo's offer as he's getting dragged off, about to be taken to the sail barge? I'm going to go with triple. All right. Uh, 13. What member of the Rebel Alliance is described as Jabba's court as a guard? All right. That one's pretty easy. Lando and... Um, the way he just pulls his mask down to the camera. I don't know. I, I've always got the thing of like, what if they just kept secret that that was Lando the whole time? How cool would that be? Like if, it, if the mask covered him like a little bit more, um, there was a bit more like, like his neck wasn't exposed and there was some shadow over his eyes or something. Um, yeah. Like, that would be, like, a cool reveal. And they just sort of alluded to Lando's around. They mentioned it once, and then, oh. That would have been cool. What do you reckon? Um, 14, can you identify Boba Fett, the notorious bounty hunter who brought Han back from Cloud City to Jabba from these photographs? And you've got Bush. Um... I remember being a little kid and getting annoyed by this question because there's a picture of Bush, there's a picture of Boba Fett, and then there's Squidhead. And I'd be like, Squidhead's not even a bounty hunter? How would I get him confused? So, um, yeah, we can identify Boba Fett. It's a photo two. Uh, 15. Ula is a beautiful alien female dancer chained to Jabba in his throne room. What happens to her? Well... She gets rancored, but she also 
ages very minimally. So Femi Taylor, the actress that played her, can come back like 20 years later and uh, film an extra shot for Star Wars Special Edition. So that's what happened to her. On screen, quite dastardly. But off screen, not bad. Not bad at all. 16. Luke Skywalker forces his way into Jabba's presence by using his power of the Force. How is he dressed on this occasion? Who knows how he's dressed? I'll tell you how he's not dressed, and that's like a Jedi. Because <laughs> I've seen the Star Wars prequels, and that's not how Jedis dress. God, I wish they did, though. God, I wish they did. Like, I don't mind... Like, I don't have, like... I don't know. I, I kind of think all the robes... Enough with the robes. Blah. Robes. Ugh. Just boring. Like, in real life, no one interesting wears robes. Ugh. Ugh. I'm just joking if someone interesting to you wears robes. But, um... Yeah, I would have thought it was way radder if the Jedi dressed like Luke did in Return of the Jedi than how Ben Kenobi dressed in Star Wars. Like, like even that, like the old dude that lives in the desert, do you want to dress like him or do you want to dress like the upstart hero that's ready to like to start forcing his way all over the galaxy? Like, who do you want to dress? Oh, the robes. Enough with the robes. <sighs> Anyway, how is he dressed on this occasion? Not like a Jedi. That's how he's dressed. Not like a Jedi. Now I'm going to see if this quiz is right, because I know I am. Uh, number 17, Jabba keeps a... Oh, this is a bit rough. Jabba keeps a hideous 16-foot-tall fanged beast in a pit below his throne room. What is the name of this monster? Wow. Um, well, I just think we should be politer to the Rancor. And what about the Rancor Keeper? You know, you, you, like he's upset about the death and you're calling him hideous. Answer me this one, though. After the Rancor Keeper um, got upset, was he too upset? Ah, it could have gone the other way. Oh, no, he did get away, didn't he? Because it's in Chuck Windegg's book. Oh, great. Yes, I was going to say, was he too upset to, um, to get on the sail barge and hence saving his life? But I think he went on the sail barge because he wanted to see Luke Skywalker die but he somehow escaped the blast, I think. Anyway, let us know in the comments. Uh, 18, on what planet is Jabba's palace situated? Jakku. Okay. Uh, 19. No one's buying that, are they? 19. Which other important character in the Star Wars saga grew up on the same planet? Oh my god. That is a great one. I was trying to think apart from Luke Skywalker, but the answer is Luke Skywalker. 
Uh, 20. Jabba decrees that Han, Luke, and Chewie be thrown into the Great Pit of Carcoon. What creature has its nesting place in the Great Pit of Carcoon? Good old Sarlacc. Good old Sarlacc. I um, I was lucky enough two years ago, um, or a year and a half ago, I guess. Uh, it doesn't matter. It was almost Thanksgiving, and we were driving out to the Grand Canyon to um, for Thanksgiving to give thanks to America, to one of the most American places there are in all of the earth. Um, yeah, I say all of the earth, but, um, of course the best, most American places can be found inside America. You can bet on it, but, um, we're driving out to the Grand Canyon and we could sort of dogleg across the map to get to Yuma, Arizona. And, uh, we visited the, um, the, the pit of Carcoon. The, the great pit of Carcoon. And um, it was tremendous. It was it was so good. I it, the audio from the day is I cannot find it. It is it is the one lost Steel Wars episode, which is it is what it is. But um, the memories remain warm in my heart. And you drive out there because it's a sand dune, it's a national park. And once the sort of city drifts away and there's no more petrol stations and stuff, the freeway just goes through the sand dunes. And if you just, you're traveling at such a speed and if you sort of direct your eyes so you're not focused on your car and you just focus on the sand dunes as you're traveling, it's like you're on the skiff. It, it was surreal the way Tatooine just clicked in. Um, highly recommend it. And then we, we hired um, a lady to drive us out it's a, I think it's about a kilometer out. Um, you know, you can walk it, but you're kind of wasting a lot of your day walking. And um, it, it is a long walk. And it's also a long walk to walk in the wrong direction. And also, if you hire someone that's really cool that um, has one of those little sand buggies, they can like show you an amazing ride on the way back and forth. We... We hit some dunes, bros. Don't worry about that. But um, we found and and in on one side of the great um pit of Carcoon is a giant wall of sand that all these dune buggy enthusiasts like tried. It's like a um, a pass, you know. It's a, a like a a testing ground whether you can drive up this really steep hill. So there was people the whole day trying to get up there and succeeding and not succeeding and stuff and. I know they had problems with that when they were filming the movie that to get shots without having the dune buggies in the background, but it was amazing. And I've always chastised the, um, the Anakin Skywalker sand line in attack of the clones, but after touching real life, Tatooine sand, um, It sucks. I would tell Natalie Portman about it as well. It was in my sunglasses for like two months afterwards. It was like in like bits of it would, would still be falling out of my sneakers. Oh, it does get everywhere. It's coarse and rough. I'd tell Natalie Portman. Take it all back. 
um, Anakin, you were right. Um, and that was Sarlacc. 21, Psy Snoodles and the Rebo Band are musical performers in Java's Palace. Psy is the female lead singer. Max Rebo is the keyboard player. Pretty decent question. I know it's lightweight, but a good question nonetheless. Um, you know, one that you know, maybe Jackie wouldn't know. What is the name of the wind instrumentalist? So he's sort of uh, that tan skin blobby dude in the big brown shorts. <laughs> what a ridiculous character. I wonder how we'd react to him today if he came out. Like, what? Is he? We are a call. Um, we're talking about Droopy McCool, you guys. And just the like the folds on his knees, like where the suit's not working as well. Like if you just take them for real, like it's a real creature with those folds on his knees. That is gross. And then he's got these folds on his tummy. And he's sort of got these like breast mounds and then this big like snout thing that wraps around his head he is he is quite a um and you call him the rancor hideous dear me jedi master quiz uh 22 luke han and chewy are transported to the great pit of carcoon one of jabba's on on one of jabba's anti-gravity skiffs how many real guards are guarding them? Count carefully. Trick question. <laughs> Wink. Um, I love the count carefully trick question when I was little. I was like, it is a trick question because Orlando is not a skiff guard. Um... How many do you guys reckon? Like in, in here in the actual um, the Jedi Master Quiz, there is a photo of the skiff. So um, you can actually uh, do the math yourself. You can count the people that look like skiff guards and then subtract one. However, and oh my God, this brings back memories. There is two guards in this photo that are standing, like one of them's blocking the other one. So I did get this question wrong when I was a little kid because I like I counted, removed, like took one off for Lando and um, I was one short because I counted one guy for two. So how many of you guys think were on the skiff? All right, here we go. There is the guy at the back driving. Then there's Lando. Now he's not a skiff guard really, guys. We won't count him. It's a trick question after all. Then, I don't know. Is that Barada? I can't remember all these guys' names anymore. There is a Nikito guard with a tan top on. Then behind him is a human with like a, a black sheet around, like a scarf around his mouth and like a helmet. Um, he did not get made into a figure until maybe like the late 90s in a three-pack from memory. Then there's another guy who might be Potstidskin? I don't know. And then there's 
Weequay. I don't know. Another one of those. I, I All my Jabber's guards, I've, I've lost the memory. But there's one, two, three, four, five guards. Six, but trick question, five. Um, so yeah, I got it right because I'm allowed to look at the picture. I was like, did I just cheat? And I'm like, no, this is a, a quiz for kids. And um, so that's fine. Five. 23, what part of R2, oh, what part did R2 play in saving Luke Han and Chewie from being forced into the great pit of Carcoon? Oh boy. You know what party played. I know what part he played. He knows what part he played. R2-D2 actually knows the most about the Star Wars universe. Think of all he saw. Um, but yes, he shot the lightsaber. Ignite the green. 24. Here's a question for observant fashion lovers. Can you recall Princess Leia's hairstyle while she was forced to act the part of Jabba's chained dancing girl? Interesting here. She's not referred to as slave. Jabba's chain dancing girl. Hmm. Interesting. Um. I don't know. What do you call them? I, I guess she had like pigtails. No, not pigtails. It was tied up. It was tied up with two bits that hung down. How do you describe that? I don't know. We'll see. Um, 25. How is Jabba the Hutt killed? By uh, his chain dancing girl. 26. Picture of Lando here hanging in front of the Sarlacc pit. Uh, what does Han Solo use to haul Lando Carizian out of the great pit of Carcoon? A... Like a staff. Yeah. Uh, 27. What did Jabba's nasty little pet salacious crumb? He's the tiny creature with the batwing-like tuft ears and a sharp beak due to C-3PO during the fight on the sail barge. I don't know why they describe him when there's a photo above him. Like... It's not as though if you're visually impaired, like if you can read that, you can see that, surely. Although it is on a seam, so maybe if this they've planned ahead, if this quiz got ripped apart, people that have got the lower half of the quiz still can answer as many questions as possible, while also having no idea uh, who Salacious Crumb is. So I'm, I'm, they're not gatekeeping, they're, they're leaving it wide open. Um, he poked his eyes out. How weird is it that they made, they, they got down through so many C-3PO's that they made one with his eyes po poking out, with Salacious Crumb hanging on. That's a lot of C-3PO's. Which always makes me wish they, like, they, in Hasbro, just update everything. Dun, 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 dun. I wish Kenner had it updated the Darth Vader and the um, Tatooine Luke and the just to get the, the the telescoping lightsabers, get them into the little grippy lightsabers. I'd like that. 
Maybe I should custom. Yeah, I'm ever going to make a custom figure. Right. Uh, 28. What is the fate of Boba Fett during the Battle of the Skiff? His fate is to be um, Inspector Gadget, essentially, with no penny. Sarlacc, bro. Or does he crawl out? 29. This is one of Jabba's guards on the deck of the sail barge firing a cannon at the skiff. What is the name of this type of creature? Oh. I'm going to say it's a Nikito. Ooh, that's tough. For me, anyway. What color sails did Jabba's sail barge have? Red. It's on the cover of this very magazine. 31. How are R 3PO and R2 rescued from the sand dunes when our heroes escape in the skiff? Again, if you haven't seen the film 2,000 times, it might be hard to remember, but the magnets. Don't forget the droids. 32. Two spacecraft are secreted in the desert awaiting our heroes escape from Jabba's clutches. What are these spacecraft? There's actually three. I've got... I've beaten the trivia. I've beaten it. There's three. There's um, Luke's X-Wing. We see that in Return of the Jedi when they take off. There's the Falcon. And, um, of course, there's the infamous uh, sandstorm scene that um, was deleted from the film where the conversation that Han and Leia have, Han and Luke, pardon me, have like on the comms as they're flying off, going in different directions. Um, they had that in the sandstorm about to get on the Falcon. and um, But there was another ship there in pre-production anyway, or there was one there, and that was a Y-wing fighter. Because, think about it, Chewie and Han, no, Chewie and Lando, they get to Tatooine on the Falcon. Then Leia and C-3PO on the Y-Wing. And for some reason, I'm thinking the Y-Wing was a two-seater. Was it? Special one or something? This is I'm not making this up. Um, and then Luke and R2 come on the X-Wing. So it does uh, does fit in. So I reckon they're going to say two. Oh, yeah, it does say two. You've got to name them. But I think I'm right, you guys. I think I've, um, I've out-Jedi'd the Jedi Master quiz. I've um-actually'd them. So um, where's my T-shirt? Uh, 33, when they reach the hidden spacecraft, the party breaks up. What are their destinations? All right. Where are they off to? Well, um, Luke's off to Dagobah. And they're off to the Rebel Alliance and Home One, the fleet. 34, which one of the party had to keep a promise to an old friend? And what was the promise? I have to say... Well, I hadn't seen Empire Strikes Back yet, so there's that. Um, I knew the story of it, but, um, you know, through, like, the picture books and stuff. 
But uh, I actually remember, and I cherish these memories that you have when you first see the films, especially when you're a little kid. Like, kid memories. They're the best ones. And when he says, a promise to keep with an old friend, I, was, I had no idea what it was. I, I was like, who's this going to be? I, I, so I, I thought it was going to be a new character. Um, yeah, what an idiot. But I did know that Padme was Amidala in Phantom Menace. Some people didn't. I was actually shocked to learn people didn't know. Uh, 34. Okay, so Luke, he had to finish his training. Five. Because I didn't hear the promise. Because at the end he makes a promise. And I don't think that was focused on that much in the picture book. 35. In the Death Star's docking bay, how does the Darth, how does the Darth Vader, how does Darth Vader greet the Emperor? Well, there's a photo of him kneeling. So I'm going to go with kneeling. 36. Uh, what does Darth Vader report to the Emperor? It'll be operational on schedule. I'm going to go with that. Operational on schedule. Uh, 37. Who are the red-robed and red-masked figures seen in the Death Star docking bay and the Emperor's throne room? Royal guards, bro. How cool was it when there was, um, like, Chancellor Valorum had the blue ones in The Phantom Menace? Like, just seeing that and just like, oh, it's all connected. Um, 38. When walking, what does the emperor carry in his right hand? Quite an attitude, let me tell you. And a walking stick. In conversation with the Dark Lord, what does the emperor tell Vader concerning Luke Skywalker in the Death Star docking bay? That he will seek him. 40. I hated this question when I was little. I hated the terminology and what it meant. Um, on the bog planet, Luke tells a white light of Yoda, which the latter detects immediately. What was the white lie? Now, I guess they say bog planet because it's an answer to one of the other questions is Dagobah. But I just bog, because that was sort of like slang for... Going to the toilet, let's say. And I didn't like the idea of um, Yoda living on a planet filled with excrement. I was very little. Um, and of course, the white lie, which I did... I don't know what my answer was, but I didn't get it right. Uh, I, I, how weird is that? That I remember that I did not get this question. Failure. Oh my God. Um, the white lie was that, um, he looked good. Um, or he didn't look bad. 41, how old was Yoda? I don't think I knew this, but because of, um, of this book, I will never forget it. And it's 900 years, Yoda. 42, Yoda tells Luke that he needs no more training to become a Jedi, but there is one more task he must face then a Jedi will you be what is that task 
He has to take out the trash. And that trash is Darth Vader. Well, he just has to confront Vader. Uh, 43. With obvious misgivings, Yoda eventually answers a question that Lucas waited a long time to ask him. What was his answer to this question? In brackets, can you remember the exact words? Is Darth Vader my father? Told you, did he? Unfortunate this is. Um, 44, after leaving Yoda, Luke encounters the image of Obi-Wan Kenobi, who has become part of the Force. Ben Kenobi tells Luke the real name of his father. What was that name? Wait. So Anakin Skywalker... Was that mentioned in Star Wars? Did Ben talk about Anakin? I have no idea. Wait. Anakin. Hmm. I don't know. Can't remember off the top of my head. Like, I'm sure it was in books and stuff. Maybe. So I'm not sure. Hmm. Hmm. No, it must have been. Like, George Lucas must have been talking about it, surely. Hmm. All right. Um, Anakin Skywalker, anyway. Um... And and knowing Anakin Skywalker in the nineties, like that that was that wasn't a bad deep cut. Um like I know a pro skateboarder, Chris Sen, um, a pro skateboarder in the late eighties, early nineties. Well, actually no, he was a pro skateboarder in the two thousands as well. Anyway, it does that does not matter. But anyway, he was a massive Star Wars fan and he named his son Anakin. And at that time like, no one would even know it's a Star Wars name. Like, the general public. Because um, it just wasn't blown out with uh, Jake Lloyd and those phantom menaces. Uh, 44. Um, yeah, Anakin Skywalker, 45. Ben blames himself in front of Luke for having made a mistake which had terrible consequences for the galaxy. What mistake is he referring to? Training Anakin as good as Yoda, I think, was something to do with it. Thinking he could train him as well as Yoda. Uh, 46, this star cruiser is the headquarters of the Rebel Alliance's attack against the Death Star. What is its name? Well, I've been calling it Home One all episode, so I hope it is Home One. Um, 47, in the Rebel briefing room, situated a deck below part of the bridge of the Star Cruiser, the Rebels plan their attack on the new Death Star. They are addressed by Mon Mothma. Who is she? Wow. What a funny question. Because I got, I got in this Twitter thing the other day with people 
I know I posted up a Macquarie painting, a concept painting of Mon Mothma on home one, giving the briefing. And I sort of said, Oh, a military leader in a flowing dress. What was, you know, Macquarie's lost his mind or something. Just, just some of the, like worrying about Holdo's dress in the last Jedi. I just, I just don't think that's, it's just a costume. I just don't think it, it's worth that amount of effort, like some costume. But anyway, um, my thing is like, well, she was leading the military. Mon Mothman was leading the military. And then people are going, no, she wasn't the leader. She was a political. And it's like, well, she's in a military situation and she's the leader. So it's, oh, I don't know. The effort to people just like, there's plenty of, like legitimate things not to like about these movies <laughs> go with them anyway did any of that just make sense to anyone um she's the leader of the rebel alliance you guys 47 48 uh the rebels are also addressed by a, a salmon colored alien leader of the mon calamari and a rebel admiral what is his name akbar say his name 49. Mon Mothma has critical information uh, for the Rebel Conference, which she admits was obtained at the cost of many lives. Whose lives? Now, this is the, the greatness of Star Wars. And also kind of what what is sort of... Sp- Boiled a little bit nowadays with the thirst for information and the distribution of information through so many media is, you know, the answer is, you know, Bothans, um, the, the lives were lost. And it was up to us. Like, still, I'm not even sure, you know, because I guess they were canonized, decanonized, whatever. But, um, you know, you know, there was... It was at least a sweet decade of like going, what is a Bothan? Like, is that, I had no idea. Is that like, um, like a type of spy, a species, like a rank? I, oh, the best. And like now when like that sort of stuff like is thrown in, like we always want to know. Like, you know, and, and I guess, I, I, you know, I guess like holding off on the Knights of Ren is an example of um, that it was done very well. So that is a good example. So I have to concede my point. But it just seems like everything is like, we have to know about this now. Um, 50 out of 75, you guys. Uh, a holographic image is projected in the Rebel Briefing Room. What does it portray? It portrays the Death Star 2. An Endor, dude. Come on. 51. Lana Carizian has accepted a new rank in the Rebel Alliance. What is this new rank? <sighs> what new rank? I'm going to go with General. What mission has Lando accepted to um, blow up that Death Star, buddy? 53. Han Solo has also perhaps reluctantly accepted a formal title in the Rebel Alliance. What is his new rank? Oof. 
Is it Commander? Have I got them mixed up? The Lando and the Han Solo one? I feel like I got this mixed up when I was a little kid. Because it's General Solo. I'm sure that's... I don't know. I'm going to go with Commander. I feel like I named... I, I got this wrong when I was little and it's all coming back. Oh. 54. Han has accepted a mission to attempt to knock out the shield generator guarding the Death Star. Who exactly from the Rebel Alliance will accompany him? Oh, well, Captain Rex will. I can tell you that much right now. Um, I think what we want to know is there's a photo of him like next to it. Uh, Chewie, Leia, Luke, R2-D2 and C-3PO um, and Captain Rex. Uh, 55, b before parting from Han Solo, Lando says, I'll take care of her. She won't get a scratch. Who or what is he talking about? <laughs> I hope it's the Millennium Falcon. There is a cool picture here that will be on the YouTube and it's of Han and Lando having the conversation, but it's sort of like the other angle or it's before the map painting, but there's so many like rebels going back and forth. It's really cool. It's, I, I like sort of the, um, those eighties, like we just have to put something on them rebel costumes, like just a jumpsuit with like an ice cream bucket on your head and a chin strap. You're, you're now in space. Yay. So that's a cool photo. Uh, 56. What is the destination of Han Solo's rebel strike team? And that is the forest moon of Endor. Uh, 57. Han and Chewie pilot the craft containing the rebel strike team. Yes. Yes. All right. Sorry. Um, Han and Chewie pilot the craft containing the Rebel Strike Team. What is the name and type of this craft? Um, it's the Shuttle Tidarium, Imperial Shuttle. But I was talking with uh, Kyle Newman the other day and he was asking me that when did I think that all the Rebels that went to the planet came down in the shuttle? And I said... I think that's what happened. I think in the original intent of the movie, like when George Lucas planned it, um, they were the only rebels on the thing. I'm going to text him that. I'm very excited uh, that we have got canon confirmation from the Jedi Master Quiz. Thrilled. This is the, the will of the force, you guys. 58. In the forests of Endor, the rebel strike team encounters Imperial biker scouts on speeder bikes. How Fast, do you think these bikes can travel? In my head, I've got 300 miles per hour. And then maybe my mum said, because I didn't know how fast that was, I think it's 600 kilometers, she maybe just told me, which is a very rough approximation, but I think it's 300. So it's 58. 300. Uh, or very 
very fast. They can travel very fast. Uh, 59. There's a picture of Leia passed out on the forest floor. Who finds Princess Leia after her crash on the Imperial speeder bike? Warwick Davis. Wicket. Uh, number 60. Why does Chewie's habit of thinking of his stomach get the search party in trouble looking for Leia into big trouble? Oh, sorry. I read that in the wrong... I think I dyslexied that one. Um, because he gets the trap uh, in the net. Um, 61. What do Ewoks think of C-3PO? In the words of Eric Struthers, they think he's neat. And then he's a god. All right, over the page. Uh, 62. Do you know the name of the Ewok chief and the tribal medicine man? Well, we've already answered that previously. There's posters of it, man. And that is, uh, Chirpa and Low Grey. Good dude. 63. Love this picture of Luke Skywalker. Although he does look about 13 in this picture. He looks shockingly young how does Luke persuade the Ewoks to release Han, Chewie, R2 and himself um, by floating floating some gods 64 late that night Luke has a conversation with Leia in the Ewok village he speaks of his need to confront Darth Vader alone what else does he tell Leia concerning family matters inverted commas Sister, sister. This scene, I just love because I just love the set they're in. The Ewok um, treehouse is just amazing. But I don't think there's an explanation for this conversation and how the, the prequels like contradict it with like remembering um, her mother, Leia remembering the mother. And you can do the force memory thing, and but then why didn't Luke remember? Um, some people have said that she's remembering Bria, um, Jimmy Smith's life in the films. Um, but I don't buy that. And because Luke does say your real mother. So this one and... Um, the Leia not hugging Chewie at the end of The Force Awakens. I just, I don't want to hear an in-universe explanation. I'm just happy to go, filmmakers messed it up. They're fictional worlds and they didn't actually happen. So they just, they didn't cross their T's and dot their Oribesh I's good enough. Because I don't want to hear any excuses about this. Uh, 65. Uh, outside the Imperial bunker, Pablo, an, imp- an Ewok scout, steals something from the Imperial troops to create a diversion. What does he steal? The speeder bike. So dope. You're the man, Pablo. Uh, 66, in the throne room, high above the surface of the Death Star, the Emperor, Emperor urges Luke to take your Jedi weapon and kill me. Why does he tempt Luke in this way? This is a good question because it, it, it gets, when you're a little kid, it gets you thinking. I, I sort of found the whole thing with not being able to just stab the emperor with a lightsaber, like really confusing when I was little. I didn't get like 
the whole like using you know resorting to angers like a bad thing i didn't sort of i didn't really understand that concept um but yeah to try to tempt luke to the dark side you guys which I don't know, if you're on social media, that could be good advice as well. Um, why does he tempt... Why do they tempt you to um, battle them? Why do they do that? Uh, 67. The Rebel fleet finds itself trapped in its initial attack on the Death Star. Trapped between what forces? Well, you got the fleet. Then you got the Death Star, bro. It's got a shield up. So... Ixnay on the attack A. Uh, 68, what surprise concerning the Death Star has the Emperor got up its sleeve? Bro, you know it, I know it, Neem Num knows it, it's fully operational. Um, yeah, they, they rule you in with the half-finished Death Star. And really, at this point, like, if they did win... Why finish the Death Star? You know? It's done its job. Looks cool. It does, like, you know, for all the bringing back the um, the Death Star concept, little did we know, but um, the half-built Death Star, like, like, I much rather Return of the Jedi. I, the Death Star 2, that's my Death Star. Um, that boring 70s Death Star. Half finished. That's the way to go. It's like how, um, you know, like you cut your jeans and you just let them fray down the bottom. That's the, the, the Death Star 2 is the grunge, the punk Death Star, if you will. Um, 69. How does Admiral Akbar react when this surprise is unleashed? Wow. Hilarious that it's question 69, um, if you're a little kid like me. Uh, how does Admiral Akbar react? Wow. That is a lot easier trivia question to answer in the mid-2000s. 70. It's a trap. In the throne room, Luke's patience finally snaps. His lightsaber flies into his hand and he strikes fiercely at the evil emperor. How is this attack thwarted? And that's with... D Vader with Saber. 71. Uh, down in the forest, a fierce battle is raging between the Imperial forces guarding the shield generator bunker and the Rebel strike team aided by the Ewoks. Chewie steals a vital two-legged machine that turns the tide of the battle. What is this machine's name? See, this is good stuff to get like key pieces of Star Wars info to the young kids, although it was a Kenner toy, so I definitely would have known it through that. But that's the Atst, guys. The Atst. Uh, 72. Back in the Emperor's throne room, Luke refuses to fight Darth Vader and throws down his lightsaber. See? Good lessons we're learning here. Very interesting moral concepts. Uh, all wrapped in a sci-fi fantasy. But Vader has read a secret in Luke's mind and by revealing it, forces Luke to renew the fight. What is that Vader reveals and threatens? Sister. 
73. After the death of the Emperor, Darth Vader makes one more request to Luke Skywalker. What is that simple request? Well, I asked this stuff. Just got to write the last question in. Um, what is that simple request? He requests for a reboot of the Mask franchise. Please. Fighting crime. Fighting crime. Fighting crime. Secret Raiders that will neutralize. I don't know. But Tracker's going to lead the mission. And Spectrum's got such supervision. Ma, 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 ma. Mask. Best theme song, awesome cartoon, and a live action. Oh. I'd be more into, this is on the topic, just train of thought here, on the topic of, of 80s toys, reboots, or, 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 or film adaptions. He-Man is, that's the one um, I would want. I'd be or, or maybe a He-Man TV show and a mask movie. But He-Man's the one I'd, I'd, I'd love to see um, done well. Hope they do it well. It'd be great if they did it well. 74, this is Lando's co-pilot in the attack on the Death Star. What is his name? Now, of course it's Nam Num. And I knew that because he was the preview figure for Return of the Jedi. Um, hence why almost every kid's collection had a Neom Num, in Australia anyway. Um, but yeah, I would have never thought, for one, that that photo of him, it's not a man with a head on, it's actually a puppet. And um, Mike Quinn. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. ...is crouched underneath the console of the Falcon, but also that I would talk to Mike... I, I would be on the phone with Neam Num one day. It's dumb fun. But isn't that why we um, listen to podcasts like this? It's really cool. And the final question is, during the victory celebrations in the Ewok village after the destruction of the Death Star, Luke is joined by the images of three persons who are now part of the Force. Who are they? Anakin, Yoda, Obi-Wan. And that is the end of the quiz. Open staples carefully and remove posters, which someone had already done. All right, so we've tested our knowledge. Now, let's add to it with the Jedi fact file, which, whew, just looking at this page, oh, wow, I, I just stared at this page for so long when I was a little kid. Number one. Although Jabba the Hutt was filmed primarily in London on the soundstage at Elstree, there was an insert done at ILM in California. Well, there you go. Two, 
An insert shot of... No, wait. This is a continuation of the first fact. This is... No. <laughs> That's just... Okay, so the number two is... An insert shot of Jabba the Hutt's hand as it reaches into the water bowl for a slimy, tasty morsel. Key sculptor Dave Carlson and makeup and creature design supervisor Phil Tippett work out the timing of the scene. That's... That's only one fact, you guys. You just told it well. Uh, three, Jabba the Hutt was operated by three men, one lying in the tail section, two standing inside the main body, and one to operate the arms and the other to work the head. Hmm. I guess it was five people. Maybe there's like remote control eye people or something. Can they add to it? Anyway, I'm not going to doubt the fact file on that one. Four, dwarves were chosen to play the Ewoks instead of midgets because the dwarves had less physical symmetry and looked less like people in suits. And there is just a delightful picture of Wicket with his little cape and his little tummy. What an adorable character. Love. Oh, this photo just fascinated me when I was a little kid. Um, it's of a Gamorrean guard's head with no skin on it. It's just like the um, the skeleton with all the, like, the parts to make his eyebrows move, etc. The internal mechanism of the Gamorrean guard's head with cables coming from the head so that an operator, not the actor in the costume, is able to control the eyebrows, eyelids, eyes, nose and mouth of the guard. So cool. Six, the finished salacious crumb creature will be manipulated like a hand puppet. That is, yeah, if Return of the Jedi was these days, salacious crumb would probably be CGI, I would imagine. Um, hmm. um, but what a great character. Just... um. Star Wars sugar, just that makes a scene just more iconic, just like cool little creatures like that. Uh, seven, the baby Ewoks were hand puppets manipulated by the dwarves playing the mother Ewoks. And that little Wokling is... Look at his little... It has to be one of the cutest things ever. Seriously. Look at his big eyes and his little nose and his lippies and his little fingies. He's just hopefully looking out at, on Endor, hoping for a better future for him and his tribe. And it's a future, a better future he's going to get. Although that that episode nine trailer, I'm worried. I'm worried for this little baby Ewok. It's all grown up now. Uh, number eight. Uh, a Mon Calmari creature is made of foam rubber and mechanisms. It's made of foam rubber and mechanisms. It sits here in its helmet before being painted. And there's sort of like a, yeah, a tan rubber colored uh, Mon Cal. Uh, while watching Sice Noodles creature on a video monitor, Phil Tippett manipulates the creature from underneath the platform. Now, I kind of, when it came out, the special edition, I, I, I sort of didn't mind Sice Noodles. Like, I, I much rather the other song. Um, I was never much of a Yasm fan. Uh, I like the guys on the drums. I thought that was cool. But um, the original way Sice Noodles moved, the puppet, it was, it was so bad that it was great. Um, 
And that's why I always think that George Lucas like never got is that we didn't know what the imperfections in the film were. Like he had all these things in his head where, you know, that like Tatooine didn't have enough spaceships. But when we were watching it, we didn't know it didn't have enough spaceships. We just thought that's how many spaceships were in Tatooine. It was like a pretty dead, deadbeat town. But to him, because... Yeah, he just didn't know... Like, we didn't know what he wanted. We enjoyed what he gave us. Um, yeah, and there's a saying in stand-up or a bit of advice where it's like, um, they don't know what you forgot. So you don't go and say, oh, I, I forgot to do this joke and um, or I forgot this bit. Um, they don't know. And if you bring it up, it just breaks the illusion. But... You know, like for things where I'm, um, you know, George Lucas obviously wasn't happy with the way Sice Noodles moved in Return of the Jedi, the original theatrical release. Uh, we thought it was sick. We accepted that's how Sice Noodles is move, man. Really, like, you know, pretty average puppets, but we loved it. The skiff and barge at Yuma took five months to construct, and there's this awesome photo of the back of the sail barge that they didn't fill in because they weren't filming that side. And um, just with, you know, all the pickup trucks and, and all the staff and stuff. And it's, I always love the Return of the Jedi, like the desert photos for the fashions, like the, the early 80s fashions, pretty sick. Um, a lot of high cut shorts, a lot of leg going on out there with the fellas. And why not, huh? Give us a hint. Yeah, as I said before, I got, I got to go out there. And the crazy thing about it is they just chucked most of that stuff into the hot, like they just buried it. And when we went there, we actually found like bits of wood and bits of foam from the Sarlacc. Like I'm like legitimate bits of foam that were in the Sarlacc still findable three decades later or whatever. And like, I, I think like in the nineties when people started first going there, they were coming out with big chunks, but I was getting like little sort of like, you know, about that size. And yeah, they just threw it all in. But it was like to find, like to have that tangible thing that that's where um, Luke did the front flip, Ignite the Green. It was, it was really cool. Good, silly, fun. Uh, fact number 11, on Yuma, the Yuma set, they used over 14 pounds of nails. Sorry, they used over 14,000 pounds of nails and they left about 12,000 pounds of nails in the desert because I found so many and uh, each one was cherished. I've got a big bag of bits of the Salak Pit set around here somewhere. Number 12, exploding the miniature barge, the sand used for the set was actually brought from Yuma, Arizona to match the color of the live action set. Um, that's hilarious because I have got the Lego sail barge and skiff little sets. Um, it's the pretty much the only Lego I have, um, cause it's my favorite scene. Um, Jackie got it for me and I put the, I have them set up in a fish tank in a little diorama and it's the sand at the bottom and much like the, uh, boffins at ILM, 
I filled up a few containers of sand at Yuma and uh, poured it in my little diorama. So I always think that's really cool that it had real Tatooine sand in my Lego thing. And the guys at ILM agree. And the cool thing about this photo, if you're watching on YouTube, is it's a photo like further back of the miniature getting exploded and you can see the special effects guys with their masks on and goggles. Uh, so it's a photo you're not familiar with, but because you've watched the film so many times, the explosion happening in the photo, you are very familiar with that shape. Like it's not like a different take. There was only one take. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm such a Star Wars nerd and probably you are too, that you recognize that explosion, the shape of it. Uh, 13, uh, one full-size ATST Walker was built for location shooting at Crescent City. Unfortunately, the picture is of a, uh, a concept picture, which I think is Macquarie. I know he didn't do much with the Ewoks. He wasn't much of an Ewok fan, but there is one Ewok here with a very shocked face doing a, uh, a dive for safety. Um, and I do like in this concept picture, I've just noticed there is like five hang gliding Ewoks. Like there's like a fleet. It's not just like, like I always thought in Return of the Jedi, you know, it was just one strafing hang glider just doing his thing. But um, in this concept picture, and I guess, you know, they couldn't, it would be too hard back then. Um, especially when you, you know, you've got like the TIE fighter battle on that to, uh, to look after. But yeah, they had him sort of flying in little formations. That is sick. Love that. Um, so yeah, one size, uh, one ATST walker was built. Uh, 14, the alien language spoke by the characters in Jabba's palace is called Hatties. George and sound wizard Ben Burt spent a lot of time on the alien languages. What's a lot of time? You know, how do you define that? Um, Jedi fact file, is that what we're reading? The Jedi fact file, sorry. Um, and then that's another uh, Macquarie concept picture of, of Luke confronting Jabba in the palace. And it's not Leia as the dancing girl on the dais, which is interesting. But Boba Fett's there, Bib Fortuna's there, Klaatu's there, Max Rebo's there. But well, the thing I like about both these concept pictures is they're so more open um you know on on endor that concept picture like the the path that the atst is walking down it's like the trees are much further apart but you know that's a concept picture and you know trees are where they are um but yeah the jabba's palace one i always liked the concept pictures um more than the actual presentation kind of because although i like i love that scene but just the actual palace set I like it in the concept pictures because it seems sort of like drier, more Tatooine-y, more sort of expansive. Like the concept paintings seem to make his throne room like way more vast, like a big sort of ballroom um, sort of size. Uh, whereas in the film, it all seems like a lot more cramped and, and kind of wet and damp, which, you know, isn't like that Tatooine-y when you think about it at all. And, you know, I, I feel like that would be, you know, if Return of the Jedi came out these days with the, you know, the far more critical sort of eye that, that wants, um, wants it to really add up, it, that's of a high importance. I feel like that would come under a lot of criticism, that there's this wet um, palace in, uh, 
on dry Tatooine. Anyway, uh, 15. Now, this is one of the... Like, I remember seeing this and thinking this was the coolest thing ever. And this is, you know, one of the key sort of Star Wars fan... One of the first things you find out when you're trying to find out about, um, you know, backstage, um, you know, lore and that sort of stuff. And that is... Number 15. They had to disguise the fact they were making a Star Wars movie at Yuma, so they put out the word they were shooting a horror movie called Blue Harvest and gave everyone Blue Harvest Horror Beyond Imagination t-shirts and caps. This information captivated me as a child because I don't think I sort of got exactly how far the ruse would have to be that they were making this science fiction film. Like, in my head, they also had to think up a storyline for the movie that incorporated the Sarlacc pit. So, do you know what I mean? Like, the Blue Harvest was the Sarlacc in the film Blue Harvest. And like if someone, you know, stumbled upon the set, what's that? Oh, it's in Blue Harvest. Or what is that? Oh, that's the Blue Harvest that lands on Earth. And you've got to watch out. It's sucking everything into its Blue Harvest. Oh, so it's called Blue Harvest. And that's a Blue Harvest. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, if that's not out when Return of the Jedi is out, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. And, and off they go. Not knowing it was Return of the Jedi. That's, I'm sure that conversation played out like a daily on the set, on the fences. Yeah, I thought they'd have to come up with a storyline to go with it to explain to people. So I always wondered what, how much of a role the Sarlacc played in the film Blue Harvest. Because you have to consider, it's just like a horror film that you've never heard of before. Not like the second sequel to like one of the most popular films of all time. So it would have a much smaller budget. Thus, to spend that amount of the budget on the Sarlacc Pit set, like it would have to play a major role in the film. Like, a lot. So, I just hope the story they made, I just hope it all fits in. And I always wondered what that, like what was the movie about? Who who was in it? What characters were in it? And, <laughs> this was pre-internet guys. We had a lot of free time to think. Uh, 16, the interior barge sets at Elshree, London were so hot, the creature actors inside the suits were in danger of fainting most of the time. Well, isn't that a fun fact? Jedi fucked file. <laughs> Jedi fact file. They're bragging. It's like our film was so dangerous. People were risking their health and safety. Also, you know, Squidhead character figures would move in um, in Toys R Us that year. That's nothing to brag about, guys. That that should be that shouldn't be a fun fact for a little kid to be reading in 1983. This should be a secret that you're trying to bury. You should be like paying people off not to talk about this, <laughs> not letting me know about it. It's <laughs> it's just not a good look, guys. But I remember at the time going, oh my God, they're risking it all. I actually remember when I was a little kid just going, well, they're putting it all on the line. 
They're putting it like Yak Face is going for it. He does not care. He's going to yak it up. I probably didn't know who Yak Face was when I was a little kid, to be honest. I probably would have been thinking about a Klaatu. But um, 17, and I remember seeing footage of this in like one of the behind the scenes um, little documentaries. Some creature handlers carried pairs of hair dryers, which they used to pump cool air into the nostrils of creatures like Gamorrean guards. Um, There's a really cool sort of animated style almost... um, Gamorrean Guard sort of concept picture. It actually looks like a Star Wars colouring book, like a Return of the Jedi colouring book that someone's coloured in really well. Just that art style. Uh, 18, picture of a Star Destroyer's um, shield generator exploding. Ben Burt orchestrated the explosion sounds in Return of the Jedi to include horns, shrieks, and bells. What's a shriek? Do they literally mean to someone going, ah! Or is that like a musical sound? <laughs> Dunno. Let us know in the comments, please. Nineteen. Each creature on the Elstree set had one or more creature handlers who were there to help get suits on and off. And then there's just this awesome picture of Max Rebo at his keys. His disgusting fingers. Max Rebo's fingers how they like they duck inside like the fingertips like they invert oh disgusting I, is this one of those things like you know sometimes people see like like patterns in flowers and stuff and they make them queasy that makes that's oh oh 20 Oh, this is amazing. There's um, Sheev Palpatine is sitting at his throne with the um, the window and the space in the background. And then you've got fact 20. The Emperor's throne room on the Death Star was actually a set on the soundstage at Elstree in England. So it wasn't filmed on location. Love it. So good. It's still real to me, damn it. How dare they pop that bubble that I, um, oh, that shattered me as a child to find out they weren't actually filming that on the Death Star. Uh, 21, and there's another concept picture here of, um, of Jabba and Salacious Crumb. Why that Gamorrean Guard one? Really cool. Jabba the Hutt was the first creature to be designed. In this line drawing, you see Jabba on his throne with Salacious Crumb at his side. And I know in, um, I think it might be Steve Sansweet's concept screen to collectible, there's a lot of um, concepts for Jabba the Heart. And they're just, gro- they're gross. Like, I don't know, when it was just like a fat dude, it's it's just a bit much. Like it's a bit um, like fat bastard from Austin Powers. But as a slug, it's it's quite fantastic. Uh, 22. Oh, yes. I remember this controversial one. Uh, the engine sound of the Millennium Falcon comes from a recording made by Ben Burt of a P-51 Mustang, a World War II fighter plane. But the picture of the Millennium Falcon, the negative, the slide is put in backwards. So the cockpit and the radar are actually swapped over. And... That makes me feel a bit dizzy as well to look at. It's just, it's, it's hard to, um, 
your mind has just molded the radar dish on the other side so hard. Oof. Oh. Uh, 23. Oh, man, I remember this one impressing me. Uh, there were three distinct tunnel sets built for the Death Star attack sequence. Was each was 72 feet long. And one of the corridors is is posted. That the the ships going into the Death Star, like with all those pipes and stuff, and there's a few pictures here, but I just, I remember seeing like all the making of and, and this magazine and stuff and just thinking how tremendously complicated and hard it looked like all these guys i'm sure you know they're at the top of their game they're having a ball pushing their craft and and working on one of the greatest films ever made but i remember being a little kid and just going your job is so hard you'd I'd be so stressed out. Like I wasn't thinking about the fun bit of it and that they knew what they were doing. I was just thinking about me being a little kid trying to set up all those pipes for the corridor and just like, whew. I don't know how you do it, dude. It's too much as writing on this. But um, yeah, there's a few more pictures I'll, I'll refer to later on. 24, uh, one large three-foot ATST walker was built and used in a number of shots. So um, this is like an outdoor shot. They've got like a little indoor scene set up here with the three-foot ATST, and that scale of model of ATST, like three feet, oh, that's ridiculously good. It's just such a good girthy size for it. That's what they should have done at Jack's Pacific is, you know how they did the big figs? They should have done the big vehicles, like just a bit bigger size than Kenner, like plastic, you know, cheap molded vehicles, but they were bigger. Um, you couldn't put vi- like things in them. You know, they'd have to get permission from Hasbro, but they've got the master license anyway. But yeah, just like dumb, like big plastic um, you know, almost like those like store display style, just like, like blown plastic. Is that what it's called? But just like a plastic shell of like, like three foot high. Um, if they were all to scale, that would be amazing, but it'd be too much to ask. But um, that'd be pretty sick. The ATST is begging for it. Imagine having one of them next to your desk. Uh, 25. If they used halogen lights, light bulbs, instead of neon lights inside the big ship models, they would get so hot you could cook a turkey in one. Oh my God. I actually remember telling my mum this fact because it was about cooking. Going into the kitchen and saying that and I would have couldn't have said, yeah, I, I couldn't have described the lights, but I could. I just would have said they could have cooked. If they didn't have special lights. They could have cooked a turkey in one of the ships, and I would have imagined, um, like home one was that seemed like the biggest ship to cook a turkey in. Like the medical frigate, you could only cook like a quail. You know, it's so weirdly shaped, but. Um, you get a turkey in that home one and you would be set. Get the halogen lights blazing. Um, yeah, but I always imagined a turkey inside Admiral Akbar's ship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's so good. Um, oh, and I never ever imagined... This is telling. I never imagined the turkey in any of the Imperial ships. Because, you know, the Death Star would be a, probably a good pressure cooker sort of thing to cook a turkey. Super starter shot. But I never... I, I would not want an evil turkey. I would not want... Yeah. Ugh. Evil bird. Oh, dirty bird. No good. 25. Um, God, these... Silly memories that you've got locked away. Uh, 26, sorry. Originally, George Lucas wanted the Rancor monster to be done with a man in a monster suit, but the features of the creature had to be so compromised to allow a person to move in the suit that the plan was abandoned. And there's this sick photo of what looks to be the um, the manned Rancor suit because... You can see Han and Carbonite in the background of the workshop. It would be awesome if there was a human in this photo so you could get a perspective of exactly how big it was. The guy must be on stilts inside it. Um, I'm sure I've seen footage of this Rancor moving. I think it like looks in a photo way better than it did. I think the moving was where it let it down from my memory of seeing it. But man, that the Rancor in this photo, it looks like the Hasbro... Like 1997 Rancor, which was a, a pretty good Rancor. The original Rancor was, you know, pretty good as well. Like, it's it's sort of an easy toy to get right. But, you know, over the years, like, yeah, I feel like that's a toy that didn't need that much improving on. I know they've done better paint jobs and stuff, but the original Rancor was, it was, it was, it was pretty good. It, it did its job. Props to you, original Rancor. You know what I'm saying? Um, 27. Now, this is one of the ones I marveled at and stressed out about for the guys working at ILM. Uh, the interior Death Star sets were built with miles of sprinkler pipe. Miles. Two-foot cardboard construction tube and lit with hundreds of two-foot-long fluorescent tubes. Hundreds. Setting up hundreds of tubes. Miles of sprinkler. Like, that sounds like you've done something really bad. And like, that's like your um, punishment is to like weeding the garden. Weeding the garden used to be so arduous when I was little. It, it, def- it seemed like a prison camp. I remember I weeded the garden once to get an action man, like a G.I. Joe. They're called action man in Australia. And um, it seemed like I weeded the garden all summer to get that action man. Were my parents like putting the weeds back in overnight? It took so long. Was I so bad at weeding the garden? Like how could it take more than a day? What was going on? I did get the action man though. Uh, 28, model supervisor Steve Gawley inside the reactor chamber doing some final airbrushing. The scale of the chamber is supposed to be so huge that the Millennium Falcon would be smaller than the top of the airbrush. Oh, I love this. This bearded dude is sitting inside the reactor chamber and like, you know, where um, Wedge and uh, the Falcon go in and they they both blow up um, different parts of it. And this guy is like painting it and he can just like sit with his legs crossed and his head almost hits the top of it. He's so big. And, you know, as the caption points out, if the, um, the Falcon is just the size of the airbrush in his hand, I don't know. I just think that's really sick that it's, it's there and it exists and 
Then later on, they put a little falcon in there, flying around, saving the day. Um, 29, to get the right effect, when the ATST at Walker's heads were crushed by Ewok Log weapons, the model makers had Walker heads cast in nickel just one fifteen thousandth of an inch thick. Because... While it's a scale model, you've got to make the materials crush in a scale way to the material that would be getting used. Because obviously, the metal on an atst in real life would be far thicker than what you'd make for a model. Um, and I love this picture. They've got the um, the atst uh, drivers. There's little action figures sitting in there already. So when it squashes in the logs, you can see a bit of action figure going on so cool uh 30 members of the visual effects crew prepare for the walker head crush shot logs mounted on steel pipes will on cue swing down from either side and crush the walker head now at the start of this fact file thing i did come down on the fact that they did two fact file facts on the one shot of Jabba the Heart. They're doing the same with the um, Ewok attack on the Atst. And uh, I'm going to let it slide because I'm a hypocrite. And uh, this is probably the fourth one on the same topic. But 31, the walker after it has been toppled by the falling logs. This shot was filmed at high camera speed to give the walker the illusion of having mass. Now, when you watch it, and I hope they never CGI this... But when you watch the walker wiggle in that sort of weird Jason and the Argonauts sort of animation, or like Ed 209 or whatever from, um, from Robocop, it's got that sort of jolty speed about it. Like, it's quite obvious it's fake, but it's now how I see them move when they're getting tripped over. That's just how they react. So it's like, it's part of it. Like, whether George, as I was talking about before, like, whether George Lucas meant that or not, he wished it gone a different way. That's how it is for us. And that's what we're in love with. Um, yeah, all that sometimes those little imperfections is what we really like. Uh, 32, because George Lucas felt that a lot of creatures in the cantina scene in Star Wars were too much like something from an Egyptian holographic panel, the model makers of Return of the Jedi deliberately set out to achieve a much more alien look to the creatures like Jabba the Hutt. And they did a bang-up job. Like, you've got to give up to, for the cantina bar, um, like the Wolfman and, and the Devorian, is it, with the little horns? The Devorian devil. Um, great, great stuff. Um... They're bad, but they're rad. That's why they're the best. Because they're, they're just in the film that we love, so we love them. But the, the, the creatures of Jedi were, like, amazing. And all the animatronic eyeballs and stuff like that. So cool. Now, this always intrigued me, this picture. And it's of, like, Harrison Ford's head with red light over it and Phil Tippett looking. And then on the TV in the background is his face in blue. Um, some lighting and they're filming the melting scene in the Carbonite. Um, makeup and creature design supervisor Phil Tippett's hand manipulates Han Solo's head. Oh, so it's just a, a mask of Han Solo. Sorry. There is a, it, the, 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 his face is so blown out with the red light. It's, um, you can't see any, um, part of his face. Oh, so that's the red glow. Oh my God. Okay, so that's the red glow that they just superimposed 
I never realised that. I just thought it was some bizarre red light while they were filming. Oh, my God. I guess I haven't seen this picture for a really long time. Okay. Um, wow. <laughs> there is a video camera above the... Oh, sorry. There is a video camera above the film camera so he can watch the monitor and see what he is doing. The head is used as one element in the Han Solo decarbonization sequence. And then this photo with the four... Um, carbonation headshots of Han I always loved. There were four Han Solo heads made for the shot in case one take of the decarbonation wasn't enough. So I wonder how they... They don't really say what they did to it. Like they needed four to show the decarbonization, but what did they do? Hmm. Oh, well. 35. Model maker Charles Bailey works on a special mechanism he designed for the Imperial Shuttle that must raise and lower the wings at the same time as the landing gear. Sick. So he's got this like skeleton of um, the Shuttle Tidarium. Because the way um, the wings like go up and the landing gear go down, that's, that's poetry in motion, guys. Oh, like the shuttle landing on Endor. Whew. All right, 36. Luke Skywalker. This is you get, this is a spoiler. This is a major spoiler. Oh my god. 36. Luke Skywalker hid his new lightsaber inside R2D2's head before he sent the droid to Jabba the Hutt. Why do you need to put that in the magazine? Sure, you get the amazing photo of Luke holding green side lightsaber, ignite the green. Um, and however, he's, he's not dressed like a Jedi. He's dressed like some really exciting hero. Um, not like a guy hiding out in the desert. But um, callbacks. That's a big spoiler <laughs> to put in the magazine. 37, love this picture. And this is the picture that would have made me think I could cook a turkey in this bad boy as um, you've got effects cameraman Scott Farrar and his assistant cameraman Bob Hill and they've got the Rebel Cruiser um, at ILM and it's like twice as high as they are tall. It's standing, um, somehow it's hanging um, from tip to tail and that thing is massive and you could get several turkeys in this bad boy. Get some halogen lamps in there and... um, Bob's your uncle, and he's coming around to have turkey on Thanksgiving. That's what I'm talking about. The model for the headquarters frigate was eight feet long, so it's almost twice as high. I exaggerated. At the upper limit for ILM models. Oh, they couldn't go... Okay, pushing the limits. So good. Man, those... The the fighter scenes in Jedi, just remarkable. I know you can see some matte squares on the original version, but... That shot of, like, you know, that one shot where it's just like everything's going on. Like, there's just. Oh, man. Magic. Uh, 38. Uh, there are always so many lights inside the ship models that they must be cooled with fans or else they will melt. And uh, we've got a shot here of the Tantive 4 getting filmed, which. Is there much? Was there a Tantive Four in that fleet in Return of the Jedi? I guess there must have been. 
because um, there's another photo of it. Uh, at number 39, to make the lights and model makers... I loved this fact when I was little. To make the lights, the model makers must drill hundreds of tiny holes using a number 80 drill bit, which is no more than twice the thickness of a human hair. I remember being so impressed by this when I was little. Then when the neon lights are switched on inside, the lights give a realistic effect. Like, I know we've got to do the, you know, it, it's like you get better effects with the, um, or do you? I think maybe the best visual effects combining the two is scanning the models and then into a CGI environment because Phantom Menace, like they, they were models scanned in and, and they were crisp. Um, whereas, you know, when you get down to that, that big scene in um, at the start of Revenge of the Sith with above Coruscant, it's a bit frosty. It's all like CGI frost, just like the edging. Um, whereas like the shots of the Naboo fighters in the Phantom Menace in space, they're, they're like all the lines are, are quite sharp. Um, yeah. So I think that's the best way is the, the model scan CGI. Um, 40, fully eight months before there was even a script, George Lucas told producer Howard, could you, I always have this, Kazanjin, Kazanjin. I, I, how do I forget how to say this guy's name? Ah, um, that you would need to set up a creature building shop. Oh, God, that's not even a, that's not even a good fact for me to be embarrassed by not being able to say Kazanjuran. I can't remember how it's, I even have, I can't remember anyone saying it ever. I know I've heard it. Uh, anyway, fact number 41 the Rancor monster was shot using a variation on Japanese puppet technique. Three operators moved the puppet while the camera was shot at three times the normal speed to give weight to the monster. I love all that shooting at um, different speeds. So, yeah, it gives it more girth. I love all that. That's, that's really cool. Um, 42. Wow. The images on this. We'll get some good pictures up on YouTube. Uh, the matte painting team produced 45 paintings for Return of the Jedi. And there is something so elegant about all these matte paintings they did before they have effects put on them. Like the effects are amazing, but just seeing them as paintings without effects where it's not often shown that it's like a sci-fi film. Um, like there's a shot here of the forest moon of Endor, just a beautiful picture of um, like the clouds and, and the greenery. And then there's another shot of Jabba's palace um, just from afar with some mountains and stuff. And they're just, just as works of art, just amazing. Um, again, you understand why, why they don't use these sort of things anymore, but man, they're cool. Do you know what I mean? They're really cool. And I, I guess out of all the improvements or the improvements, the changes, the digital things, like probably the matte paintings, um, are one of the ones I guess I can, I, I struggle less with, do you know what I mean? Whereas, you know, like movie posters these days, I wish I'd go back to like painting them instead of having like sort of the, the sort of Photoshop or get, get Struzan. Where's your Hugh Fleming? Where's that dude at? Huh? Um, but yeah, those matte paintings are amazing. This one is 
sick. Oh my god. It is a map painting. They're painting a um a glass dog. They used to do them on on shower doors and the the doors mounted sideways like the shape of um a a cinema screen and it's glass and the guy has painted map painting supervisor Michael Pangrazo has painted the Rebel docking bay and he's painted like the Falcon, the shuttle, the roof all lit up, the background, but then not space. That's just black. And then everything in front of the Falcon and the shuttle where they're going to film like Han and um, Lando talking. That's just not painted in. That's glass. You can see through the other side of the workshop. This is so sick. Like they're opening the that, that Lucas Museum in um in LA and and this has to be one of the main things I want to see because I I saw this when I was like in 83 in this book and it just captivated me and to see it in real life oh please let it be at this museum because um I think I could have a moment just quietly seeing that in real life I would love to see the detail Really cool. Uh, 44, the matte painting team in Return of Jedi consisted of five people, three painters, and two cameramen. And um, there's the shot here of the Death Star where the shuttle came in and um, there was that big parade in space. I kind of feel like there's not enough shots of that to show the grandeur of how many ships came out to celebrate the Emperor landing at... um, at the Death Star too, because when I was a little kid, I have no memory of noticing that, that there was that big parade. So it'd be, um, that would be a special edition change I would make to Return of the Jedi. I would have made it so there was a, a longer shot showing, um, you know, like Star Destroyers, the giant Star Destroyers in a formation, belittled into formation by the might of the Emperor's visit. That would be sick. Uh, 45, most of the map paintings for Return of the Jedi were done on sheets of glass that measured two and a half feet by six feet. So there you go. I was talking about the, um, the shower doors. Um, and the photo here is of, it's not actually of a map painting. It's a photo that's been blacked out for a map painting to go behind it. Because it's the desert floor, the lake bed floor that C-3PO and R2-D2 walk uh, to Jabba's palace at the start of Return of the Jedi. And I know it to be that because I've walked there as well. And um, you can make up the mountains and and someone photoshopped in the um, Jabba's palace for for me and Jackie walking down there. We did it with some action figures and stuff as well. So, uh, yeah, that's in Death Valley uh, in California, which... Yeah, it's um, I'm 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 sort of shocked the amount of people that live in LA that haven't gone out there. Like, there's Star Wars locations, like just a few hours over there, and you're not going. Like, even the U, not going to the Yuma one. Just, I I know we all express our fandom in different ways. I don't have any costumes or anything, so yes, I'm coming back to Earth. But still, they're just there. Jabba's, whatever. You do it your way. Just a couple hours that way, there's Return of the Jedi. All right, that's all I'm saying. Star Wars is out there as well. 46. 
At ILM, they use many different types of cameras, including two types of programmable movement cameras, the Dijkstra Flex and the Vista Cruiser. And um, yeah, just a little note. It's interesting that um, the Dijkstra Flex gets a mention in this book because uh, John Dijkstra, who uh, came up with the Dijkstra Flex camera under uh, George Lucas for ILM, um, when Battlestar Galactica started, he went to do effects on that and George Lucas did not take kindly to that and they never worked together again. So, um, yeah, it, it's nothing, but it, yeah, there's, there was no like, we will never mention his name again. Um, you know, maybe later on he had the time to, I don't know. But it's just, I don't know, factual that it's in there. Because, you know, sometimes when um, people leave the, uh, the, the crew of, of, of any film, these days, they're not they're not mentioned in the materials that often, and uh, Star Wars is no different. Uh, Forty seven effects cameraman Scott Farrar programs a shot of the B wing model with the Dijkstra Flex camera. The model is mounted on a pylon, enabling it to pitch, roll, rotate, and track back and forth. So I believe the Dijkstra Flex camera is the camera that tracks the computer movements of each shot so it can film the exact same thing again with something else there so it makes that all composites um correctly together i think that's what the dijkstrax camera is um but we'll never know because this is it uh 48 the model maker paul hudson works on the wing mechanism of the four-foot X-Wing fighter that was made just for Return of the Jedi. In the foreground is the original smaller X-Wing fighter. This photo tripped me out when I was little. It is a giant X-Wing, four-foot high, and it doesn't have any of the shell. So it's just, it's like skeleton. Um, it's just like a bit of sort of tubing with some casing around it is the, the main sort of nozzle. And it always sort of made me feel weird that I was seeing the X-Wing naked. Not in that sort of way. It was just weird to see. And I, I just found it weird. Um, I think because it was so obviously not an X-Wing. Like there was not parts. In, like it sort of, I think on a child level that I didn't quite get, it upset me that it was spoiling it kind of because it was like my favorite ship. But um, again, how I was saying with those three foot ATST ATST that Jack should have made four foot X-Wing, same scale. Come on. It could be like 50 bucks. So like they did those big Darth Vader's for like that. I don't know. What do I know? Um, so I always love that picture. 49, the camera crews found it much more difficult to get good perspective shots of the Rebel cruisers because of their rounded shape. In general, they found shots of the Imperial Star Destroyers much easier. Interesting. Yeah, like stuff like that, like how they could never have um, blue-winged X-Wings because of um, it wouldn't sort of um, break blue screen very well or green screen, whatever. Um but home one man, that was there's a picture of that here, and after reading all these fact files and and, and realizing how much work came into it, 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 it home one, the Mon Calamari cruiser, it stressed me out because I knew like how much work went into it, and it could melt at any moment. There's, like there's turkeys, it's just 
it just stressed me out the amount of craftsmanship that they needed to do that. It was hard for a little kid to comprehend. And 50, to achieve the proper sense of depth when shooting the lights in the big spaceship models, the film must be shot at very slow speeds. These shots can take up to 12 hours to complete and for just one ship. See, that sounds like hardship. That is stressful. What if something goes wrong at the 10th hour? These are the thoughts that were in my head when I was a little kid. All right, we're at the end. So let's do the, um, I hope you guys have enjoyed this, had a bit of fun. I, I had a good time going through this stuff. This is not the normal format for a Steel Wars episode, but um, something, you know, I had to get through this. I had to, um, like rather than just open it up and I'd flick through it, like this is really, it's opened up a lot of old memories. And I find that fascinating just how many memories you've got in your head that are still there, but there's just nothing to like jolt them until you see a, a photo of four carbonite heads. All right, let's go through. Number one, Moff Jared is the Death Star commander. Uh, that's a tick. Uh, two, R2-D2 and C-3PO. I had droids. Uh, three, top photo. Um, I think it was Bib Fortuna. Uh, four, to act as Jabba's translator and i had protocol which i'm gonna give it i'm gonna give that a, a tick you guys i think it's the same job uh five to the sail barge to act as a server of food and drinks and i had sail barge drinks um six uh the answer was bush uh princess leia in disguise to the bounty hunter uh seven Yes, how much did uh, Chewbacca get sold for to Jabba the Hutt? 35,000 credits. Yes, coming in strong. Um, eight, Gamorrean Guards was the guard picture. That's a bit of a give me, or that definitely is. Carbonite, also a very basic thing. Um, carbonation sickness was temporary blindness. Um... 11, what alerted Han Solo to where he was? I had Jabba laughing, but the answer actually was the sound of Jabba's horrible laugh. So uh, I'm not sure if you needed that descriptor. We'll take it that you didn't. So we'll give that a tick. Uh, 12, yes, the offer that Han made to Jabba the Hutt was he would triple the amount needing to be paid. Very happy with that one. Um, the secret person in uh, Chavez Court was Lando Carizian. Uh, 14, middle photo. I'm not sure what that one was, but I had number two, so we all would have got that one right. Uh, 15, uh, what happened to Ula, Rancor Pit, or having a, um, a lovely life and getting to film the special edition, where, whichever way you want to go. Um, number 16, what did Luke wear to Jabba the Hutt's palace? I said, not dressed as a Jedi Knight. And the answer is, the hooded robes of a Jedi Knight. Hmm. We'll agree to disagree on that one, but I'm, I'm taking it anyway. Um, 
the Rancor is the name of the Rancor. Uh, 18, the palace was on Tatooine. And the other famous person that grew up there was, of course, Luke Skywalker. Um, the Great Pit of Carcoon housed the Sarlacc Pit, as seen in Blue Harvest, the movie. Uh, 21, Droopy McCool was the third member of Max Revo's band. Uh, 22, uh, there was five guards on the skiff and Lando Carizian. And because I looked harder at the photo this time, years later, I go up one a level and I get a correct on that one. Very happy. Redeemed. It's Steel Demption here on the Steel Wars podcast. Uh, what did R2-D2 have to do with uh, the escape? Well, at the given signal, R2 launches a hidden lightsaber to Luke from the deck of the sail barge. Ignite the green, baby. Um... What hair did Princess Leia have? Drawn back into a decorative metal hair ornament, terminating in a single loose braid. I had stuck tied back in a bun. Is that right? I'm taking it. Taking it, fools. This challenge stage has gone perfectly thus far. Uh, how does Leia die? Uh, how does Leia die? How does Jabba the Hutt die? And that is a Leia getting a sweet choke. Um... 26. Ooh, how does Han get Lando out of the Sarlacc? I said staff. The answer's rifle. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I'm going to, I'll take it as a no. I'll take it as a no, you guys. I'm going to go by the Jedi Master quiz answers. I'm not here to question the Jedi Master quiz unless I am. And, um, I'm going to take an X on that one. You guys going to be the bigger man about it. Staff rifle. Sometimes I use my rifle as a staff. And vice versa. 27. Um, Salacious Crumb pulls out C-3PO's eyes. Uh, 28. I said Sarlacc Pit, Inspector Gadget. The answer is, hand shoots wildly at Boba Fett, hitting his rocket pack. That's not even what happens. This is wrong. You are wrong. I take it all back. I am now questioning the Jedi Master Quiz. Get this. What happens to Boba Fett, you say? All right. Are we going to live by the... No, we're not dying by the Jedi Master Quiz anymore. We are challenging... This is a rebellion. Because this is what it says that um, is what happens. It's 28. Han shoots wildly at Boba Fett. Han shoots wildly at Boba Fett. Hitting his rocket pack. He swing, he's not shooting. Boba Fett shoots up in the air and tumbles down into the Sarlacc's mouth. Now, nah, 
you're wrong, son. You're wrong. I'm right. So I'm getting that one back. I'm taking back the other one, the staff rifle thing. That nulls out. I'm back to perfect because you got one wrong. We balance each other out. You know what I'm saying? All right. Let's go. Um, 29. Back to business. And the pitcher guard was a Nikito guard. Thank you. Well earned. Um, 30. I don't know what it was. But the answer was bright red, and I said red. So, I don't know what that thing was. 30. Just going back. Oh, what color was the sale? Budge sales. <laughs> Glad we found that one out. All right, 31. How did um, R2D2 and C3PO get out? They picked up by Sand Magnets. How cool was it? Just another thing that apparently these sail barges have magnets underneath them. It makes sense. You know, they're looking for stuff. They're picking stuff up. They're taking it other places. Just, oh, just good plot-serving world-building, that is. 32. Um, I said uh, three... The Millennium Falcon, the Y-Wing, and the X-Wing. Star Wars fact, Jedi Master Guy, whatever it says, says two. X-Wing and Millennium Falcon. So I am now plus one. Because I am... You got that wrong, uh, fact file. And I am now in the plus. I'm like this... at this. I'm now at 101%. How many questions are here? Um... 75. So I'm probably at about one and we'll round up one and a two percent, 102 percent accuracy so far. It's impossible. How can you get more than 100 percent? Because I, I like because you messed up. So now I'm ahead 102 percent. Your questions were right for 98 percent of my answers. Quiz. Okay. Good to know um, the late nights being a father have not affected my sanity at all. I'm now arguing with a quiz. So I'm plus one anyway. Just because I know it's wrong, it doesn't mean I'm not going to keep sticking it to the quiz. That I am better than it. Uh, 33, where did the two... I, I do think there is the case that they left the Y-Wing. So I, I can totally... I, I can I can go for that. Um, I'm not sure if possibly in a comic book they showed the Y-Wing attached to the Millennium Falcon underneath. I know I've seen an X-Wing do that somewhere. But anyway, so I am open to they leave the Y-Wing, which is a, a, just a crazy waste of a vehicle, if so. But um, I am open to it you guys uh where'd they go they went to Dagobah and home one and we can ask who set course for Dagobah Han Leia Chewie Lando and C-3PO go to rendezvous with the rebel fleet um and Luke is keeping a promise to Yoda that he would return and finish his training uh as pictured in the trivia question, how did Vader greet Palpatine? As in the photo above the question, he kneels. 36. Um, he announces that the Death Star will be completed on schedule. Yes. Thank you. I am doing very well. 
Um, well, I'm doing 102%. So uh, that's exceptional. That's more than anyone could have predicted in a rational universe. Um, oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, 37... Uh, Royal Guards is the answer. 38. I said that Luke wants to seek Vader out. But what actually says is that he senses Vader's impatience to seek out Luke Skywalker again. Oh, no, no, no. I am back. I am back to be patient and wait for Luke to come to him. Yes, 102%, baby. Holding firm. Holding firm. Uh, 40, the white lie was that Yoda was not looking very ill. And he replies, when 900 years you reach, look as good you will not. The next question, uh, if you knew that one, you knew this one. Uh, Yoda is 900 years old. 42, to become a Jedi Knight, Luke Skywalker must face Darth Vader once more. Um... 43, Yoda, the thing that Luke wants to know, tells Luke that Darth Vader is his father. Your father he is. Told you, did he? So there you go. Uh, Anakin Skywalker is the name of his father, not mentioning whether they mention it in A New Hope again or not. 45, Ben feels his terrible mistake was to attempt to train Anakin Skywalker himself in the ways of the Force because he was not as good a teacher as Yoda. Anakin was lured to the dark side. We'll take that one. Uh, 46, they say it's called the Headquarters Frigate. No, it's home one, buddy. So that's, I'm up now 104%. Dude. I'm calling the true fanhood in on uh, on this quiz. Headquarters frigate, indeed. Um, Mon Mothma is the leader of the alliance. Uh, 48, uh, that's Admiral Akbar. 49, we lost Botham Spies. And then in brackets, it rubs it in with the information turns out to be inaccurate. Oh, what a burn. Oh, my God. They died for no reason. (laughs) Brutal. The hologram in the middle of the conference room was of the Death Star's interior tunnels and main reactor. Well, and the forest moon of Endor was in there as well, buddy. But, um... We'll, we'll call a line ball on that one. Uh, Lando was promoted to General, 52. Uh, he was to lead the Rebel fleet attack on the Death Star, 53. Han was also promoted to General, which is sort of what I wanted to say, but then I was just like, why would both the answers be General? They're both Generals. That's weird. They're both... Uh, I never really thought that before. They're both an even rank in the alliance. Um, but then... The... <laughs> just the... Um, the little commentary here by the makers, by the answerers, in brackets. Imagine a smuggled pirate turned general. It's enough to make a Wookiee blush. 
That's for me to decide, buddy. I'm just here for the answers, not your little jokes. <laughs> it's all we're we're having a good time here in the answers, you guys. Thanks for playing along. It's not all serious down at the Jedi Fact File, and nor should it be. Thanks to the crew. Um, in the shuttle was Leia, Luke, Chewie, R2, 3PO, and a 12-man strike team. 12 men. Um, I didn't have that number in my head. Very interesting. Uh, the forest moon of Endor. The sanctuary moon is where they went. Um, oh, the speeder bike goes approximately 200 miles per hour. And I am sure I had 300. Where is my answer to that one? Why am I even looking it up? Why do I want to be wrong? Yep, 300. Bump, That is such a bummer, man. I'm now back to 100% right now that I've gotten one wrong. If we're going to follow my um, excellent scoring... Um, methods uh 59 princess leia was found by wicket w warwick and ewok uh chewy's uh tummy gets him in trouble because he smells raw meat in the forest pulls the meat and triggers an ewok net trap uh the ewoks think c-3po is some kind of a god um the two ewoks pictured of course were chief chirper and low gray and then in brackets, Logray is the Ewok with golden striped fur who wears a feathered skull headdress. Logray's golden striped fur. What wouldn't I give to just to give that a little scratch? A little scratch on the tummy for Logray. Is some medicine, man. Uh, 63. Um, what did I write? Oh, yeah, okay. Um, he... 63, Luke uses his powers to levitate C-3PO in the air um, as proof that 3PO wishes his friends to be released and is growing angry at the Ewoks' refusal to do so. Um, 64, Luke, of course, tells Leia he is his... 64, Luke, of course, tells Leia that she is his twin sister and that Darth Vader is their father. 65, Pablo steals an Imperial speeder bike. Thanks, buddy. Uh, 66, um, the Emperor wants to be struck down to tempt Luke to give away his anger and hatred, thus lure him to the dark side of the Force. Great concept. Uh, 67, the Rebel fleet is trapped between the invisible deflector shield and the Imperial fleet, which has hidden on the far side of Endor. Bit too much information there, Jedi fact file. Could have just said Death Star in the fleet, you know, buddy. 68, the surprise around the Death Star was that although Bothan spies had reported to the rebels that the Death Star was not operational, it in fact was fully operational and capable of destroying rebel star cruisers with a single blast. 69, I said Akbar's initial reaction was, it's a trap. They say... Akbar's initial reaction is to retreat, but Lando persuades him that he may. This may be their last chance. The rebels have to destroy the Death Star. The attack continues. Old Admiral Akbar, huh? Wanting to retreat. Hmm. Hmm. 
Hmm. You need much about that, do you? <laughs> Not one bit. Little, it's a trap. Let's get out of here. Let's get our little orange crustacean tails between our legs and <whistles> vamoose. Lando's sticking it out. There's a military leader. Don't get upset. I love Admiral Akbar. Just playing. They're just jokes about made-up characters that we really like. Um, so, I think I got that one wrong. So, I'm down to two wrong, but, you know, these guys have been wrong as well. Two wrong, let's just say. Number 70, Luke's saber is blocked by Darth Vader on the Emperor. Um, the pictured vehicle was an ATST all-terrain scout transport, a two-legged Imperial walker. 72, what upsets little Luke is when Vader reveals that he has read in Luke's mind that Princess Leia is his sister and Vader threatens Luke that if the young Jedi cannot be turned to the dark side, perhaps his sister can be tempted or coerced to do so. Reading that answer, I don't know, when you're a little kid that... I don't know if I would have picked up on all that without reading this at such a young age. But um, that is a good answer to a question. Very in-depth. That is, that is like a six-line answer to a question, uh, where some of the other ones are blue. Uh, 72, Vader's last wish is to remove the mask though for once and the last time he can see Luke Skywalker with his own eyes. The pilot next to Lando Carizian is Neom Numb. And during the Ewok celebration after the destruction of the Death Star, Luke Skywalker is met with the images of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Yoda, and Anakin Skywalker. Oh, there's some credits. The Jedi Master Quiz created by Felix Dennis. The Jedi Fact File created by Chris Rowley. Special thanks to Kathy Whippert and Anita Gross at Lucasfilm, designed by George Snow. I'm glad they're credited. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Felix. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Kathy and Anita at Lucasfilm. And thanks, George, for a um, for me, an iconic, um, very 80s magazine layout. Um, it was perfect. The way it was, it was, um, it was so cool. And now to rate your results. You've marked how many you've got. Playfair. Um, unlikely anyone got this, but one to five correct. Where have you been all year? or the last five years for that matter. Report to 88 in Jabba's boiler room for a little heat treatment on your feet and brain immediately. Which is pretty brutal if um, that's what you got. That'd be a tough, uh, tough reality check. Six to 10, correct. You're a lazy squid head. And then in brackets it says one of Jabba's creatures. Because if you got six to 10, you wouldn't know that. Gold. And must see the movie at least five more times. Maybe 10 more times. That's not so bad. That's a pretty good punishment. 11 to 25, correct. This is somewhat better than the Rancor might score, but only on par with a Gamorrean guard. Oh. See Return of the Jedi three more times and try again. 26 out of 35. Pretty average, really. You might be permitted on a mission entrusted with the task of giving C-3PO an oil bath or bringing bad news to Jabba the Hutt. 36 to 45, correct. This is a reasonable score, but we wouldn't exactly recommend you to take controls of the Millennium Falcon unless it was on autopilot. 
Ah. 46 to 55, correct. Confirmed Star Wars addict. Good score. And consider yourself the recipient of the Han Solo Modesty Award. You're probably knowledgeable enough to out-bargain a Jawa with a sand crawler full of droids. God, that's a big jump. If you got 45, you're not allowed in the Millennium Falcon unless it's on autopilot. You get 46, you're a confirmed Star Wars addict. Uh, 56 to 65. If you are absolutely certain that you did not cheat, then you are already a friend of the Rebel Alliance. Report to Mon Mothma for your orders. If a Mon Calamari, report directly to Admiral Akbar. Does Mon Mothma want, don't want to deal with the Mon Cal? What's, what's going on there? Hmm. Hmm. 60 to 70 correct. Outstanding score. Quite definitely commander material and consider yourself an honorary member of the Ewok tribe as of this moment. So I think that's what I got when I was little. So I've been an Ewok tribe member for a long time now. But as I got too wrong, I think, but they got too wrong, that means we're even. But I'll take the too wrong. But still, I end up in the top bracket. I hope you did too. It's fine if you didn't. I'm not going to burn your feet like 88. But if it's 71 to 75, correct? Awesome. But beware. As a full Jedi in training, the dark side is a constant threat. Report to Luke Skywalker for further instruction in the Force. At the time, that sounded like that plan could not go wrong. But in 2019, Luke Skywalker doesn't have the best track record for training Jedi. Even that fact is upsetting my son, who is sitting behind me. All right, I won't bring it up again. Chill out. So, um, yeah, a bit of a different episode, you guys. Um, but we, we, we had to get it done to go through this Jedi fact file. And uh, if you enjoyed uh, this episode, this style of episode, a bit different from our normal interview uh, style... Um, let us know in on YouTube comments or uh, on Twitter. Let us know how you went on the quiz. Um, what were your sources of uh, the, the, the key, the fundamental Star Wars um, bits of knowledge? I would say this one, and then I think my next big milestone would be um, Steve Sansweet's concept screen to collectible. That was the next sort of... Um, Thing to cherish and absolutely devour. Maybe one time we will do that as well. Uh, if you want to see that, let us know in the comments. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, I would so appreciate a sweet five-star review. It bumps us up the rankings and lets other people know what's going on. If you want to support the podcast in a small financial manner, you can join our Patreon and Patreons get bonus episodes, audio episodes every uh, week. Sometimes a couple a week, I do uh, listener Q&As with you guys and also have some bonus shows with some other podcasts where we talk about. We do a, a Star Wars history podcast with Horst Burkhart. We have just a general whatever happens Star Wars a chat show with uh, Robbo on the Robbo Report. And you get access to um, our vast archive over 500 um, previous episodes, including in-depth interviews with the likes of Ben Mendelsohn, Sam Witwer, Steve Stanton, and, uh, and, and so many more uh, great chats about Star Wars. 
Thank you guys so much. If you want to grab a t-shirt, maybe it's the wear home that I'm wearing now. Uh, your Snoke Theory sucks. Uh, have you seen him? The Chicago sports reference. We've got a restock of that back in. Check that out at steelwars.com or merchostore.com. Thanks so much for listening or watching. So appreciate it. And may that force be with you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.